Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there. The Rewatchingtons, bomb in its full Ooh. and unadulterated cut, early drops of Cinephobe episodes, and so much more. You said the OG pod. Now, is it new or is it old? Mace, I'm glad you asked that. It is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old OG pod. Oh. So it's me, Zach, Trey, Waz, Tom. I love those guys. Just like we always were. Going back to the True Hoop days, mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic, recapturing it, and putting it back out. We're talking hoops. We're talking pop culture. And most importantly, we're talking for 40 minutes for free. Mm-hmm. But then another specific Patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes. Funny enough about that OG pod, you're getting Tom and Trey on Mondays. You're getting me and Waz, aka Zosny, on Wednesdays. Amin's floating in between. I'm a floater. You never know when you're going to get Amin in those, so you got to listen to them all. And what if I'm not sure what Maze looks like? Because I've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora. He's got a weird voice. How can I see for myself what this Maze character actually looks like? It's crazy you don't know the answer to this. Hmm. because it's the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. What? The CT5s on the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. You can look at all of us. You can get all the OG pods on YouTube too at CountTheDings1 on YouTube, at Cinephobe Pod on YouTube, patreon.com slash CountTheDings gets you everything all in one feed. You can link it to your Spotify. And now enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We at Pack Your Nice love to draft so much so that we decided to draft Top Chef contestants live on the podcast. Drafting is the best. And if you're into fantasy sports, I got a stat for you. Did you know that your chances of winning on draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites? That's why draft is my favorite fantasy site. No more getting crushed by the pros. And it's not just me. More than 1 million people that have already downloaded draft too. Play in a real live NBA draft right now and be done in under five minutes. Get paid out the very next day. Drafts are filling every second, so you can join one whenever you want. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. But make sure to use my promo code HEALTHY, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y, HEALTHY. That's right, play in a real money draft for free just by using my promo code HEALTHY. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering Pack Your Knives listeners a money-back guarantee of up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and play free right now with promo code HEALTHY. It's Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Ornovitz. And I'm Tom Haverstroh. 
And we are joined today by a very special guest, Chef Chris Scott, chef owner of Butterfunk Kitchen. You might know him as Amish Soul Food Chris. He is currently knee-deep in the competition of season 15. He has served as the executive chef for CNN and Time Warner. The man has cooked for Barack Obama and Nelson Mandela, uh, among many others. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me here. Uh, thanks for joining us. All right, so Chris, we generally just start with a recap. Uh, we kind of just kind of just do the post-game analysis. Um, it, it was a really fun episode, Tom. I mean, we got the complete the, the the twist of the season here, right? We got the they they dump in not one but two returnees from Last Chance Kitchen, put them right back into the competition. Uh, give me your kind of early analysis of that of that uh, last chance kitchen turn. Yeah, this was a twist. Um, of course, Chris, you were blindsided just as well as we were when you walked into the kitchen. You were thinking it was a quick fire. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, all right, here's what happened. Last chance kitchen has been running side saddle to the show. And uh, last week, um, T- Tyler was eliminated from last chance kitchen, which meant that three chefs were going on. Leanne, Kwame, and Claudette. And as far as I understand it, one of those was going to move on, and the other two apparently were going to get eliminated, pack your knives and go, from the show. I didn't really understand that at first, but when Kwame was eliminated and they chose um, Claudette and uh, Leanne, this was a stunner. Tom Colicchio comes out, says, one of you will move on. Padma comes out with the shirt, with the with the chef coat. And so we're expecting one winner to move on into the competition. And Tom gets cold feet and goes with a tie, which means that Claudette and Leanne would move on. And I'm sure, Chris, your head was spinning just like ours was. Yeah, I mean, first off, you know, I was I was I was definitely rooting for Claudette to get back in. You know, so I was I was certainly pleased that she made it back in. But to get you know, Kwame or Leanne in the mix. I mean, both of them are hardcore as hell. Yeah. You know, but but all of us were already used to Claudette. It's it's like when the Eagles play the Cowboys two times per season. You already know what you're getting into. You know, but when you have to play someone from the AFC East, or, or more likely, like like the 1982 San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, you know, like like you really got to do your homework. You, kind of don't want to get into that boat you know you, you don't want to be blindsided and just I know Kwame personally and just knowing what I, what I would have to do if he got back in was running through my mind at while I was watching him cook and and it, it was just like one of those oh shit kind of moments you know Dude, let me ask you a question about chef coats in general because Padma only had one she was gonna have to kind of fumble and get a second one does the chef coat is every chef different or chef coats kind of sentimental do you have like your first chef coat when you ever made your first meal for your first kind of real paying gig i mean like what, what is the symbolic importance of the chef coat in chef culture i'll tell you a story about that it's it's, it's actually funny so you guys know the the the, the chef coat company um Brigard. I am not familiar with their work. No. No. Okay. No. Brigard is a well-respected uh, chef coat company, and they, is it the Nike of chef coats? Pretty much. Yeah. It's it's a European company, and they, and and their shirts are made out of Egyptian cotton, so it's silky smooth. It's good to the touch. You know, they have air holes underneath the arms, whatever. So as a young cook. I was working this one function, and there was this uh, big-time chef back in Philadelphia, and uh, his name was Philippe Chin, and he was in the bathroom, and, and I'm in the bathroom too, but he left his chef coat behind at the sink, and he left before me. I had to be like maybe 21 years old. So he leaves, and while he's gone, it's just me in the bathroom, and I try on his chef coat. <laughs> uh-huh. but, uh, but yeah, chef coats are... Or something special, you know. I mean, I have a few jackets from from back when I was working back in Philly, you know, that don't fit anymore. You know, I'm a much bigger guy now, but uh, but yeah, it's there's a lot of sentiment to each and every one. 
That's cool. Uh, let's run through the episode, and then I, I, we've got a ton of questions for you. I want to delve into Pen- Pennsylvania Dutch cooking. I'm going to Philly for five days next month, so I need I need a, a full set of both highbrow and lowbrow recommendations. This couldn't have come at a better time. I'm starting to make reservations. So so, but let, let's let's run through the episode. We want your input on this because it's you know this sort of the post game analysis, if you will, and. Um, so we, we didn't have a quick fire. I mean, basically, we, we had the big turn, and then they send you guys off into Estes Park, which is Rocky Mountain National Park. I've been – what month of the year was this? Because th- that, that stays snowy till May and June. We, was this like late spring? It was May. Yeah. Wow. Oh. And did they – did like a foot of snow dump the night before? Is that is that how I saw it? I remember waking up in Denver, and there were big flurries coming down. Nothing that really stuck in Denver, but I guess once you start that that drive into the mountains, you know you see more accumulation. Yeah, because it looked like you were kind of miserable in the car on the way over. How long was that drive? Was it like thirty minute drive? No, no, no. At least an hour and a half. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So you um, get there. They do the um, they do the one hundred dollars per person. You have to go find supplies at the shop, and I guess uh, did you collaborate with others on that budget? Well, it was just the pe- some of the people that we were with in our car, you know, and we're just kind of brainstorming. What do we need? You're thinking about the dish that you're actually going to do. Uh, we took some supplies from from the main kitchen with us, so you kind of. You want to, to reinforce what you have by what you're going to buy at the store. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, let me buy a pot. Let me get this. Let me buy more sterno. Let me get something that's going to make more heat. So while you're there, you just want to be able to uh, to get what you need. But also at the same time, you know, you also might want to pick up a pair of gloves because you want to prepare. So basically you're in the wilderness. It's freezing from the moment you guys get there. Yeah, there's some – you got some – Give me the misery power index. Like among, and it looks seems like Fatima would be a would be a candidate for up top. Like Tanya, clearly, she she is from Oakland, California. This is just this is this is, this is not a thing she does better. Who who are the most miserable? Just just from a primal standpoint, most miserable teammates here. I mean, I'll tell you just from my point of view, but but I I would I would, I would say that people of color do not dig cold weather. So, but now Carrie's got like she's from Idaho. This is par for the course. It's always cold there, mm-hmm. and she yeah. she's pretty much setting up camp for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like once once we realized that we were sleeping over, you know, and they busted out the tents, you know, half of us were like, I don't even know how to set this shit up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but she was incredibly. You know, like she, she, her, and brother knew how to how to pitch a tent, and they helped out quite quite a bit. Now, now, wait, did you draw knives for the sleeping arrangements? How did this go down? How do you pick which which tent? No, no, we just you know, there were there were three tents, and there was one that was kind of further away from the group, and sort of on an angle up the hill a little bit, to where you can kind of look over and see what people are doing. And me and brother and two, we slept in one tent there because we were the ones that dug out that section. So we figured, you know what, we're we're already standing here. Let's build this tent. Let's throw our shit in there. This is ours. Well, it seemed like there was a little bit of gamesmanship. I don't know if this was intentional by you, Chris, but on on the editing from the episode last night, it was becoming very clear that two was getting inside his own head about his dish now do the those conversations about uh what you're conceiving about the dish and the discussion about the strategy i'm sure that discussion happens all the time but it seemed like your discussion with two two whether you intended this or not was rethinking his dish what do you remember from that conversation well i tell you man that happens all the time I mean, you th- yeah. you'll think of something that you want to make, and then you'll have a little bit of time on your hands. Like like I said, we had about an hour and a half drive. Oh, you know, man. so you're thinking about your dish, and then you're thinking about this. Let me add that. Let me subtract this. Let me do this. You know, and then you get there, and then 
you're dealing with the outdoors and then that switches again and then maybe you go to this camp store and, you, and they might not have the pot you want or the or the or the set of tongs or the skewers that you need and then you switch it up again you know so that whole process of of second guessing and you know i mean that that we all dealt with that shit it seemed and like that, there was a- and that's the killer yeah, that, that was a, that was kind of the prevailing theme on this episode, and it, yeah. it, it kind of hit both you and, and and two, which is there is an instinct that you want to show off a full you you know a full complement of pitches, right? And the chili's not going to be enough in in a, in a high end food competition, right? The one pot meal, it's a little facile. Anybody can kind of do it. I mean, yeah, there's good chili and bad chili, and and at the same time. You know, two had the instinct to go. I'm going to prepare the rabbit three ways. You're going to prepare buffalo two ways. Mm-hmm. And what I, it's not apparent until it's too late is what you essentially do as a contestant on Top Chef, if you go that way, is you give the judges like you get three shots at having the worst dish of the night. Yeah. And and so you you I mean in two's case he probably increased his probabilities of getting eliminated threefold. In your case you increased your probability of getting eliminated <laughs> twofold. And it's yes you also you also at least theoretically get a chance three chances to get the best dish of the night. But we all know that it is the the level of like it is much worse to be have the worst dish than it is advantageous to have the best dish. You get a nice compliment, you get a win, that's nice. You move on. You get the worst dish. So from a mathematical probability standpoint, we're learning now the worst thing you can do on Top Chef is go two ways with a protein or three ways with a protein. Yep. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, and- and this is like, I guess, to use a, a football analogy, is this like Nick Foles trying to be Michael Vick out there? Like you're just trying to trying to show too many skills when you just want to be, you just got to do what you do. That's, you know what? That's exactly it. You know, but it's it's almost it's almost like that Super Bowl where the power went out. You know, and then both teams are just sitting there with all that time on their hands. Ooh. You know, and then once the game started back up again. Shit just went crazy, and then the Ravens won. You know, but I think <laughs> I think that if the power didn't go out and they didn't have all that time sitting on their hands thinking about what they're going to do, San Fran probably would have taken over that game and won the Super Bowl. And that's the issue with us is that we just, you know, you had that car ride up, and then there's so many issues, and, you know, there's – all that shit comes into play, and it makes you second-guess yourself over and over and over again. Uh, it turned out, by and large, that the group had a really good night cooking. And I thought yes. Gail Simmons said something really interesting during the deliberation process, which is, you know, the, the more limitations we give them, the better they cook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was interesting because I, I got to tell you, like, two-thirds of the episode, I'm thinking, like, there are going to be a lot of bad dishes. I mean, look, this person can't. Get their smoker going. This person doesn't even have an oven. They're inventing an appliance. This one is, right. you know, there's there's no real way to prep. And Tanya's having trouble, you know. And and it turned out that actually, by and large, this is as good a the median dish on uh, last night was as good as it has been all season. I, I'm going to ask you about that. Like, in some ways, is it, it, it sort of prevents overthought if you just have these really stripped down facilities. Uh, I don't know. I mean, for me. Of course, you know, having a full-on kitchen, you know, you can kind of do a lot more. I think for some of them, you know, like some of those guys are just totally just geniuses, you know, and 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 also with the product that they had, you know, some sometimes if you get something like trout, you know, it's it's probably a much better thought process of what your final dish is going to be. Than when you get like a super lean meat or like like buffalo like I did or a goose, you know, because because who the fuck is taking goose on a camping trip? You know what I mean? I do that all the time. <laughs> what are you talking about, Chris? So it's like, you know, when you have there's there's a bunch of elements that that come into play that that either streamline either streamline your your dish or just fuck it up. What is a fume? A fume. I'm sorry. A fume is, yeah. is it's like a fish stock, you know, okay. like a very flavorful, enriched 
fish stock where you take your bones. Sometimes you can take the bones raw. Sometimes you can take the bones and roast them to bring out more flavor. Then you usually deglaze with like a little bit of, uh, of wine or some type of, of alcohol, you know, and then you throw them in like herbs, if you wish, or juniper berries or any type of flavorful seeds, and then just kind of create that, that stock. Hey, yeah, because Joe Joe dropped in the the fish fumé, and I was like, "Is that a cocktail? Like, what is that?" Because Gail was all about it. She said she was freaking out about that fish fumé, and at first I was like, "Oh, that's a bad sign." Right. Um, but it, it, was that like a complimentary drink? And that seems that seems like a once again Joe Stash is is flexing a little bit. Well, with his culinary you know, skill. the way that I know Joe, and 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 also taking that camping aspect into it, you know, like rather than pouring the the fumé onto the plate, which you would do here, you are in a camping like atmosphere. You know what? Let me put my fish on the plate and then pour that warm fumé into this metal cup where my hands are warm. So I take a bite of the fumé. I take a bite of the fish and take a sip of the of essentially the sauce, you know, and it's, yeah. it's comforting. It's outdoors. Like it's camping, you know, it, it, it totally fit that mode all the way live. Yeah. That was what was, I think, cool about his dish. And obviously carries was they kind of incorporated the motif yeah. into the actual preparation right. and into the, into the service, which, right. which was cool. Like it was like, Oh, Hey, if you had a, an overly cutesy restaurant whose theme was, Hey, you're, you're eating at the campfire. Like that's actually what you would do. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. I'm going to call Fatima Fati Pippin for Scotty <laughs> Pippin. She is such a two-way player. She is great in the competition, but also just a great soundbite. When she was talking about Carrie's oven, it was amazing. She made an oven out of snow. Who does that? Right. And then she had about 100 quips in this episode where it was just gold. Um, I... It, it was so adorable to hear her exp- explain her experience and her fright about being out in the cold. She's never been camping before. She's never dealt with this in Pakistan and, and all this. It was awesome. Is she as as just adorable in person as she is on air? Fatih is a sweetheart. I tell you a story. Back at the, at the cast house, there was one time where we were about to all go to sleep, and Fatih found a, a moth in her room. And she bugged the hell out. And I think I think she pretty much hired all of us to get this moth out of her room that night. <laughs> it was just like shoes flying, throwing, you know, buckets of, of hot water at it, like anything to get this moth out the house. You know, she does not like bugs, but but she she's a sweetheart. What are some yeah, What are some of the house dynamics like? I, I mean, are there are there neat? Is it is does it ever become a neat versus messy thing? Does it ever become an early versus late thing? Uh, I mean, living in close quarters is just really, in general, is look. I haven't lived with anybody since I was eighteen, so I mean, I I, right. I don't have much faith. I can't imagine, and it, it, it's an under. And we talked about this with Richard Blaze. It's kind of an underexposed part of the program. Like they don't do a lot of house dynamics, you know. Well, let me tell you. I I would tell you this is that. We are the best group of friends probably in the history of the show. For example, um, on the days when, when, when we weren't cooking, we would wash clothes and everything. If in the real world, if you go to a laundromat and someone's shit is in the laundry, you take it out, you throw it on the floor, you put it somewhere, and then you put your stuff in there. We would fold each other's clothes. No way. That is trust, man. That is love. Uh, Joe Stash, on the days when we would be cooking because we never knew when we would get a chance to eat before we left the house he would make a sandwich for each of us you know one of us always made breakfast for the group and on sunday bruce made a big ass i mean like a big ass pot of um of sunday gravy so whenever we could for dinner, we would break out the Sunday gravy from the freezer, make whatever we made, and we would make pasta at the house. And we would make dinner for each each other as well. Like we really took care of one another. Now, did you did you were you kind of uh, freestyling with Bruce at the house too, or was that just out in the Estes? You just felt like you guys were having a moment. I think that that was just like a one-time thing, yeah. 
Yeah. Wait, so it he brought a fun. guitar? How did that happen? That was amazing. I think it belonged to one of the producers. And Bruce was like, let me get that. And yeah. he just hopped on the mic. Yeah, and, and and dude, I had absolutely no idea that he was formerly in a in a band. I had no idea that he had any type of background. So when they handed him this guitar, I'm like, what the hell is he gonna do with this? And it was fun. Uh, this probably is a good time to jump into your upbringing. I had no idea that there was such a thing called Amish soul food. I know that Coatesville is halfway between Philly and Lancaster. Right. I think I pronounced that yep. right. Did I get yep. that right? Yep. yep. That's right. Um, so can you just give us a cliff notes of what Amish country is like? Uh, because in my head, I'm imagining Kingpin, the, the movie with Woody Harrelson <laughs> and Randy Quaid. Like, that's basically my only exposure to, to Amish country. Right. Well, you know, people from my hometown, they come to me and they're like, yo, what the fuck is all this Amish soul food stuff? And I tell them, like, dude, this food was right in front of your face the whole time. You know, I'm just giving it voice. You know, I, I mean, this was everything that everyone in my area was raised on. You could go a little bit to the uh, to the east and you get more of that Philly grit, cheesesteak, soft pretzel, Frank's lime soda, Groff's potato chips kind of feel. Or you go west and there's the whoopie pies and the chow chow and the funnel cakes, the elephant ears, you know, the the country ribs and you know the meatloaf, the uh, the country gravy, the sassafras, you know all that shit, and then Coatesville's right smack dab in the middle. So you have some of the Amish folks that have little stores where they sell their little wares, their their quilts, the little knickknacks, and then there's jars. I'm sure you've walked into places where you you'll have like a jar of the pickled eggs, like the pink p- pickled eggs. And vinegar, yes. and then also you'll find like those little pig feet that are also in the jars. Maybe you find that too. No, mm-hmm. okay. Pig trotters, as I learned last. Pig time. trotters, exactly, last. exactly. Like that's where I'm from. So, so it, it, uh, my understanding is like so Amish represent actually a small fraction of the Pennsylvania Dutch population, which I, my understanding is also that Pennsylvania Dutch population is actually largely German. So, mm-hmm. so some of the I, mean, I know so little. It's not a part of the world I, I, I know that well. I mean, but but so. I mean, can we go through the following, like shoe fly pie, Lebanon, Lebanon bologna, pot pie. And so, so, so shoe fly pie is what basically it was a crumb cake or a chest pie. What what, what are we talking about? Shoe fly pie. Shoe fly pie is essentially a molasses pie. You know, it's molasses, it's baking soda, it's water, it's a little bit of flour. You bake that. And then halfway through the process, you throw in uh, flour, butter, uh, a little bit of salt into the bubbling um, the the uh, the pie, and then and that and that will brown and kind of give body and firmness to to the shoe fly pie. You take it out, you cool it, you cut it, and uh, you usually eat it with whipped cream or ice cream, and it's delicious. And, and the pot pie has a huge place in Pennsylvania Dutch cooking. Right. My is my understanding, but but there's actually it's not like a crusted. It's not like what we normally see. Um, where it's, it's one without it's it's noodles, not crust. Is that am I am I off here? Well, they have they do have the ones with the egg noodles in it. Egg noodles is a big thing. Spetzel is a big part of that. Uh, dumplings dumplings is huge, as well. Um, they'll they'll have the pot pie either filled with beef, almost always chicken, almost always corn. Have you ever had a chicken corn soup? I, I have not had a chicken corn soup. It's banging. It's off the hook. Um, I was raised on that. They even had that at school lunch when I was in grade school, the chicken corn soup. Basically, it's 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 like a really rosemary-ish cream corn chicken stew is, I guess, the, the best way to describe it. But you add like a lot of red peppers for color, green peppers and that. But that will sometimes be the filling for the pot pie. The, and it, the 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 chicken corn soup is it's very flexible. It get, like you can have it as your soup, you can have it as your stew, you can have it as a filling for something. It's versatile. And what is the sweet and sour thing in each meal? Like, so was it like every meal has to have X number of sweet and X number of sour notes? Is that a right? Well, I even think that some of that influence comes from that German influence of the sweet and sour because you think about like all the krauts and the sauerkraut that the Germans do and the Amish 
they fuck with that as well. You know, there's a lot of, of, of sweet and sour and the sauerkraut uh, influence with that. A lot of caraway seed, a lot of rye, you know, where those flavors and those components come into it uh, as well. Pack Your Knives listeners, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy. With SeatGeek, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets of every type of event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift this holiday season, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I just recently used it to buy tickets to Trevor Noah's uh, stand-up here in Charlotte. He's coming into town. So I went to SeatGeek, and it's great. It's designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, with every purchase, it's fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code HEALTHY today. That's promo code HEALTHY, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. you did you try out for top chef or apply for top chef before yeah yeah yeah, because you've you've worked for two i I think two top chefs what's what's the history there with top chef and your experience trying to get on the show well you know i just ran into one of my colleagues he's one actually one of my old chefs his name is franklin becker he was on top chef masters and he and 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 we opened up a restaurant in philly called washington square uh, Steven Starr partnered with Marcus Samuelson, and they opened up Washington Square. And Mike Isabella was the opening chef de cuisine. And Mike came down with with Marcus, and and Mike is a top chef guy too. So in that kitchen, when Marcus left, Franklin took over. So Franklin was the chef. Mike Isabella was the chef de cuisine. I'm on fish. And Kevin Spraga is working grill, and this is huh. and this is all before any of us ever walked the life of Top Chef. We all walked. no way. Yeah, yeah. this is and, Kevin. What is this? Is this like Dwight Howard? Uh, what was that AU team with like Rondo and Josh Smith? Right, it's like like an Oak like an Oak Ridge team or something, right? Like Oak Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Oak Hill. I'm sorry, Oak Hill. And I know yeah, how. Yeah. Like you guys are big on stats. I don't know if there's ever been. A kitchen that has had that many Top Chef guys before they even went live with Top Chef. That is a great research Maybe question. Maybe that's what something that you can look into. Had the most Top Chef contestants under the same roof? It might be because ours. you can't have because once you make it to Top Chef, it's very rare that you're going to be working shoulder to shoulder with another Top Chef contestant. Right. It's always before as a prospect pool that you guys are going to rise up. So that is a great question, and I'm sure. Do, did you guys watch Top Chef at that point? Did you know what Top Chef was? Yeah. Like, how did you? Yeah, I mean, we knew what it was um, at that time. You know, I don't know if I was watching it as deeply as I was once Kevin got on. Because once Kevin got on, then I was like, oh, I know him personally. You know, and it gave me more incentive to to root for him. You know, I, th- I think mm-hmm. I, th- I think Mike was on first, and then the year after that was Kevin, and yep. and then some years passed, and I remember Franklin being on Top Chef Masters. So, how does the application process go, dude? It's rigorous. It's really, it's deep because at this time, I think. Uh, Back then, like first off, you have to apply. Um, you you uh, get yourself an application, you send it in, and if they like you, then you know then the whole back and forth goes down. You know the phone calls, the emails. Then you got to start sending in photos, and it's just not like 
photos that you take with your phone and shit. Like, you got to actually hire a photographer to do some really good food photos, meaning that you got to, that you have to dedicate a day at your restaurant, do a ton of, a shit ton of dishes, have this professional photographer take these photos that you pay for, you know, and then get them all done, and then you send that in, and then sometimes they want a video of you as well. Again, nothing that you can tape on your phone, so then maybe this guy does some video work, and he has you, like he's following you around for the day, seeing what you do in the kitchen, following this, that, the third, and then you submit that. So you already spent $400 or and or more on this photographer guy just to get you on tape and to get your food on film to submit, you know, and then, you know, there's a Skype interview and, you know, I mean, it's, it's at least a good month and a half of back and forth to where you might not even get selected, but you just dedicate so much of your time and the higher you go, you know, the more excited you become. So after, after getting, you know, shit on, <laughs> or, or not making it, you know, for, you know, the the fourth time, I kind of just, I got discouraged, you know, and, you know, like maybe it's You applied here. four times? Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and, I tell and you then this, a fifth to get on? Right. And and I tell you this, is that is that there was a girl that I graduated from high school with. Her name was Joy Crump, and she was on, I think, season 12 or 13. And, uh... And I remember that I would always like wait for the release date for for, for Bravo to to give out the names, and I, I thought, okay, today's the date. Let me go see who who's on this season. And when I saw her fucking name on there, dude, I almost lost it. Like, really? You got this girl on here? You know? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Joy to death. You know, we went to high school together and everything, but it was just like, man, you know, how much of my soul do I have to sell to the devil for me to get on this damn show? Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. ButcherBox takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not gonna find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Oh man, so, that's hard. Yeah, so for a while, I'm looking at Joy. Yeah, she went to. Uh, she grew up hometown, Coatesville, Pennsylvania. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Oh, that is random. I mean, two con- uh, a small city, a small town, turning out two, two top chefs that went to high school together and graduated wow. in wow. the same year. Yeah, really is O'Kill. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so then I didn't. I I I straight up boycotted the show. I didn't watch it. I didn't want to hear nothing about it. I didn't want to like look and see if there was anyone that I knew. I was just done. You know, like Top Chef was just that part of me that I had to come to terms with. Like, I'm never going to get on the show. I'm going to keep on struggling. You know, I'm going to do my best at at what I do and just hopefully, you know, 
my food will speak for itself and it'll get some some type of of like world press or national press or citywide press yep. and you know and i'll do it the the old-fashioned way and so and, and then my wife and i we opened up the second restaurant and we had a couple kids and then one day i get a call from la and they're like hey we're casting for top chef season 15. do you want to be on and I thought, you know, and you're like, man, I just, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know, guys. Well, I've been down this road four times. Right. Well, I, I told her no. I said thanks, but no thanks. But I can't do it. For one, it's too expensive. We just had, you know, our second kid, and we opened up our second restaurant. And I can't leave my wife to 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 take care of the kids and run two restaurants with me not here. So thanks, but no thanks. So that night, I tell my wife, you know. Oh, guess what? Top Chef called, and I told them no. She said, "She said, call them back and tell them yes." And I'm thinking, wow. and I said, "Well, how the fuck are we going to maintain, <laughs> you know, two restaurants? And how are you going to take care of the kids?" She said, "Don't worry, we'll find a way." So I went through the process all over again, and this time I got selected. Excellent. I want to ask: uh, cooking fried chicken is one of those things where everyone has their secrets, and I was taught a certain way. Like the, the you know, it, it, I think I think there's some general rules. Like I, I learned the hard way: you can't have, you can't put too many pieces in the pan at, at once. You got to keep That's them right. separated. Mm -hmm. um, I was always taught if I a little hint I was given at an early age is soak it in evaporated milk overnight in a metal bowl in the fridge. I mean, that's just one household's way of doing it. I was also I was also brought hey peanut oil is the secret ingredient that's how you get the nuttiness give me your like for beginner fried chicken cooks like sort of the the the, the three hacks or do's and don'ts right. okay. if you are a amateur chef at home but you want to make a banging fried chicken well peanut oil is good because it can take a beating and i think that most places that fry chicken and peanut oil are those big spots like a kfc or you know, like a hometown barbecue or hillside barbecue kind of spot where where they're just frying a shit ton of chicken. Peanut oil can take a beating. So if you're using peanut oil, that's good. Now for the home cook, you know, you could use like a nice blended oil, you know, something like that, that can take, you know, maybe one batch of, of frying, a, you know, a handful of, of, of chicken parts. But Brining the chicken is also very important. You want to be able to get some flavor into the meat. Um, a very simple salt water brine will do, but uh, but if you want to add more flavor to it, like a lot of people from the south will do a sweet tea brine. You Ooh, know, so, yep. so they'll 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 take sweet tea, uh, a little bit of seasoning, and they'll marinate the raw chicken in 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 that for about a day and then take that out and then dredge it with whatever dredge that they're going to do and then fry it up. Now, not that it's going to be sweet, but it'll give it more of that left turn kind of flavor, that interesting flavor that you don't, wouldn't normally get out of Popeye's or KFC. Nice. So why, why did yours pop? Like they've had fried chicken probably a hundred times on this show, but why is yours different? Cause I'm the shit man. <laughs> Good answer. Now, well, you know, with what the way that I do mine, like I said, everybody and their mama is doing, you know, sweet tea brined iced tea or, or sweet tea brined chicken. You know, growing up in my house, there was always Kool Aid. Black people always love Kool Aid. We had Kool Aid in the fridge all the time. There was uh, iced tea, of course, and um, and lemonade. And when I was coming up with the menu here at Butterfunk, I thought, well, what ingredient could I do that would really bring out the flavor that speaks to me, speaks about my personal background? And I thought, you know what, let me fuck around with this lemonade recipe. And it wasn't, now when, when I say it to, to people, they always think that it's like some super sweet, you know, country time, you know, type, stuff but but it's not what it is it's like a lemonade brine it's it's lemon it's the zest it's garlic it's a it, it's it's a shit ton of sage there's fresh thyme of course there's salt in it you know i'm writing this down on my <laughs> recipe for fried chicken shit ton of sage Hold yeah sage is a beautiful Continue. thing right right so that's your lemonade brine you know and and then you 
soak your lemon or, or you soak your, your chicken parts in that. And then after that's in there for about a day, I take it out and then I keep it in buttermilk until I'm ready to dredge and fry. Oh, okay. And, and so just for, for, for the amateur chef, I, I got a, I, I just got, it's a big week in my life because I got a, a, I got the fridge for the garage. So now I can do, yeah, that's a big thing because now I can, I, I can like put chicken out there for a day. What am I, am I doing just a, a big aluminum? I mean, am I using Pyrex? What am I keeping the, the, the marinade and the brine in? And the chicken. You could, if you just want to use a bowl, if you want to do a glass bowl, okay. I, mean, I mean, of course, I, I do mine in bulk and I do it in big ass Lexans, which right. I made a made of plastic, you know. So if, if 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 you have a glass bowl, that's fine. If you have a, a pan, that works as long as as long as it's covered, right. and you know, then that works fine. Good, good. All right, let's talk Philadelphia. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I got, I got a chance to go there last year yeah. uh, on, on a business trip and had a great time. Didn't have as many days as I wanted, but I did get to John's Roast Pork for the first time, on, mm-hmm. on, which is on Snyder in that industrial area right. east of the Delaware Expressway. Um, I, I, I'm already booked, I think, to Zahav. Uh, Absolutely. Yep. Highbrow and lowbrow. Because, I mean, I, I, you know, obviously I, I want to eat some – it's some – places with with chefs who are really ambitious but i also love just old old american cities like philly just have institutions that right. walk up or whatever i mean give me give me your your kind of power index okay so of course as soon as you get into philly you're probably going to come across the betsy raw so you're going to you're going to hit south philly first before you even go to the hotel or wherever the hell you're going swing by tony luke's and you want okay. to get a and you want to get a nice roast pork sandwich with provolone and broccoli rob. Yeah, what is the broccoli rob thing? You know, that's the last place because we think of broccoli rob these days is at restaurants like you yours, mm-hmm. where it's sort of an upscale. Hey, we're we're done with dandelion greens and broccolini. Now we're going into broccoli rob, and yet it, you find it at the most down home Italian walk up roast yeah. pork. Um, it's just so funny because it's it's this it's this slightly yuppified green that we see on upscale menus and now but I that that's was so weird is seeing it at a roast pork stand. I mean, and these guys they hook it up, they do it right. You know, they they cook the broccoli rob. It has a lot of like spice to it. A lot of you know roasted garlic is in there. Like that by itself just packs so much flavor. So when you have it in a sandwich with nice warm roast pork and its juices with some provolone, you know, and then that broccoli rob is in there. And then if you like, you can get some hot peppers or sweet peppers in there as well. It is off the hook. When I go there, I get two of those and then I get a hoagie with everything on it, right? And I let the hoagie, and see, people from, from my area, they they know this. When, when you go and buy a hoagie, buy two. One to eat now, and one to eat tomorrow when the bread soaks in all that oil and 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 goodness from the from the hot peppers and onions and, and herbs and shit. Cause that next day, when you're eating that hoagie, the bread is mush, but the flavor is oh man, it's it's see now I'm homesick. <laughs> but, right. but 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 yeah, you want to hit Tony Luke's first. And then depending on what you're doing, like you, you just said that you're going to go to to uh, Zahav, which is a great choice. Me and Mike Solo are dear friends. Um, you know, he also has Federal Donuts, which is uh, it's a place that does donuts by day and fried chicken in the afternoon. Nice. Yeah, it's 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 great. It's great. Um, if you if you're looking for like some. Some down low spots, I think on 20th and Spruce, there's a spot called Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's this little spot that's kind of in the cut, you know. So if you want to go there, like you and your partner, and have yourself a nice cocktail and no one is going to fuck with you, like that's the spot. All right. It's nice and dark and, you know, suede and shit is all up in there. It's like an old school pimp kind of, pimped out kind of (laughs) spot. But I think it's been there for like 30 years. And so what about the higher production value places now? If I'm booking a table for a, you know, a Thursday night. Right. Um, Budokan is, is always popular. Anything that Steven Starr touches is gold. You know, Budokan is probably like one of his party spots. It's, um, I think that's on, 
Art Street or no on Market or Chestnut, Chestnut Street, in Old City, and uh, that's, that's 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 a big spot, big ass Buddha statue in the middle of the dining room. Um, man, I haven't been there in a couple of years, but anything that 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 Stephen Starr has, there's neighborhoods that you want to check out. There's Northern uh, Liberties, there's Fishtown. And those are it's 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 sort of like the hipster kind of spots, but but the food scene in those areas is jumping off. By Good far. deal. Yeah. Nice. I got all that. I am I'm set. But Tony Luke's for sure. On the way in from the airport. On the way yeah. in from the airport. It's kind of stay away from like Geno's and Pat's because they're gonna be packed and and, it, and and those are tourist traps. Anyone from Philly, like a true person from Philly, hits up Tony Luke's. Cause that's where the authentic shit is. That's that's the kind of recommendations we want on Pack Your Knives. Kevin, do we want to get back to the competition here so that we uh we gotta we gotta figure out who who goes home, who packs their knives. Yeah, so I mean again we we you know and, and you were unfortunately on the bottom this week. And, and again, we talked about prevailing <coughs> theme. There is a one of the hazards of Top Chef is doing too much or over diversifying your 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 plate. And um, I mean, so so, you know, it was you. It was it was two and it was Tanya. Um, when did you know? When did you know your flank steak was going to be just probably on the dry side? Well, I know that. See, the, the night before, I was actually trying to smoke the meat or try to get some smoke flavor into it. Um, so maybe my my technique of smoking it wasn't really the best one. You know, although we had these campfires, I we put the grills on the fire, but I kind of had mine offset a bit. But that same grill was catching some of the heat from the from the actual fire, so it was cooking it a little too much. Once I realized that, I, I pulled it. I kind of knew that that my dish wasn't the best one going into it maybe the, the, the night before. I mean, my head was all over the place. You know, the elements was definitely on my mind. So it, it is, was- Is that common? Tough. Like, I, if I was said, hey, if there was a pie chart in the, in the poll question of chefs who've had rough nights, which is just about everybody on Top Chef. When did you know your dish wasn't going to be executed to your perfection? Is it A, more than an hour out, B, the night before? Like, are, do, do you think a lot of chefs just know, oh, man, we, you know, once they get out, out of the Whole Foods, they're like, oh, shit. Like, I, I just, you know what, I left money on the table or I didn't get what I needed to get or, you know, now that I'm looking at this cut, it's too thick. Like, when do you think most chefs – Right. know that, you know what, I, I might be on the chopping block tonight. Well, I mean, you know, even even when you're still out the, the night before, even though you might not feel good about it, as chefs, you have the ability to to make shit happen, you know. So maybe I, I, can, I can pull the rabbit out the hat, you know, and twist this up a bit and make it work. So I would say that maybe an hour or so before plate up, I knew that it was going to be a tough one, yeah. because at that point, at that point, you're at the point of no no return. You know, like you got to get your shit on the plate, and at this point, you can't really tweak or fix anymore. So either plate it or get the hell out. Is there a chef in the cast this season that is particularly good at like just pulling a rabbit out of a hat who is a disaster 15 minutes out and just or or 30? I mean, like like. Is, is there somebody on, on that in that cast that you just like their ability to get out of a bases loaded, nobody out jam, just mar- you marvel at? I, you know, what? You know, last night, last night it was it was Carrie. I thought Carrie was was going for a, a dumpster fire, um, <laughs> not literally, maybe maybe literally, but to to do that dish and to cook uh, out of the snow, basically making an oven, baking a cake out of the snow and then having them all burnt initially and Claudette's tasting it. And she's like, Oh, this is, you know, this is good. And then they, she just pulls that rabbit out of a hat. Mm -hmm. Carrie is, is very, 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 um, just coming out of nowhere here from the first episode. I don't know if you caught this. We did a draft after the first episode and she was one of the last draft picks and she has probably one of the most successful starts to the season. She's been doing really well. Yep. 
Yep. I mean, you know, she's just one example of many. Like, we all have that ability to pull the rabbit out of the hat. I guess it's just whatever scenario that we're in that makes us go above and beyond. You know, it's like that that Joe Montana to, to Dwight Clark shit from back in the day. You know, like, like you yeah. just got to make this shit happen, you know. And you just do it. You close your eyes and you catch the ball. And you, you see Bruce doing the mandolin Cavatelli. I mean, we, we should have Bruce on at some point and ask, is that on? It's not on his menu right now, right, Kevin, at Union? It's not on his uh, menu. It should be, though. That is it, so It cool. wasn't one of the three pastas we had. No. They should, <laughs> he, he, should call a camp, you know, he should call a campfire Cavatelli. Uh-huh, yes, uh-huh, yes. Uh-huh. Did you see him doing that, like concocting that that uh, that mandolin? I did. I did. And in real time, and were you, and were you like, ah, oh, shit, man. Well, you know. That's going to that's gonna hit. You know what? The, the thing, because yeah. there's so much support, there's so much support amongst us to each other. Like, seeing that, I don't think of him as a threat. I think of him like, wow. You know, and I think that we all look at each other that way. You know, like, when I saw him wow. doing that on the mandolin, I thought, that's a cool idea. That's great. You know, good for him. You know, like I'm wondering when this switches, when it when it shifts, when it goes everyone's a happy family to oh man, we're all competing really hard against each other. I don't want to <laughs> win that fucking top chef and fuck you, right? Like I want I wonder when that's going to happen, but last night um, it seemed like Bruce was just destined with that mandolin and he did his dish much like when you did the fried chicken. Mm-hmm. It was pretty obvious to me at least who was going to win. Um, I had a question though. Yep. Did you, when you're going into this competition, do you have to strategize when you're going to go to that signature dish of yours? Mm-hmm. Like, are you like, do I bust it out early to make sure I secure a spot or do I wait? And is it like something in your back pocket where like tonight I am going to go with the fried chicken, right, right. Be- the lemonade fried chicken? Because Chris, you knew you were going to, at some point you knew you were going to go to that dish. I mean, that is your, right. that right. is your you know that is well, your go-to pitch and and do you save it do you know i mean or, or you know or it's it the heritage you, just invited it i put it to you like this i knew that i was going to come out with one of those components i knew that i was at least going to do the biscuits i knew that i was going to do the chicken i knew i was going to do the greens i knew that i was going to do the dumplings i just didn't know where and i didn't know how it was going to fit in but when 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 the rules to that particular challenge was the heritage cooking, then I thought, fuck, I mean, I'm going to be able to put all of it into here and it's going to blow these motherfuckers out, you know, <laughs> as long as long as I don't fuck up, you know, like if if I'm able to do this good, it's going to wow the shit out of them, you yeah, know, it, it, but 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 you, you kind of don't. Or at least for me, like when the challenge is presented to you, it's kind of like what Richard Blaze was saying last week. You compete not to lose, you know, or something like that. Prevent defense. Exactly. You're playing the prevent defense. So for any particular challenge, I think about what that challenge is and what I have in my repertoire that can match that. Right. And but so I, that's what I do. But to Tom's point, I, I, there has to come, you know, uh, you kind of even sense it from previous seasons that there is a moment where everybody's there's a lot of camaraderie and nobody wants to see anybody embarrass themselves. Right. But like if, if somebody let's just say there comes a time when the competition gets thick, where if somebody misses the front end of a of a pair of free throws, mm-hmm. you know, even though you like them, it's like, eh. Not the worst thing in the world that they're, uh, you know, that, that, that they, you know, they ran into a little trouble because, I mean, at the end of the day, you get to that point in the competition where people are are no longer being eliminated for errors. It's, hey, all these dishes were great and we had to kind of pick nits here and and small things now become magnified. Exactly. To quote Randy Jackson, you're in it to win it. Right. Right. At some point, you're in it to win it, right? Like you, you're just like, ah, I love these guys. I, I love all these people around me, but I want to move on. And that was tough. Uh, we'll just get there. Is that two? Um, he said he got a little insecure um, with the with the three way rabbit. 
he it didn't look very appealing. Like I think it was Padma, or maybe it was it was Gail. Just said it looked like they put three meats on a plate with little garnish, um, and that must have been tough. Kevin, I know for you that was your number one draft pick, right? Yeah, you know, you know, I had two, and it was funny. I had two. Be- you say I love the profile of the cooking. Also, I, I got I get a sense that you know doing a pop up pretty aggressively as he's been doing, I thought would be yeah. you know really good preparation for Top Chef. Um, because, you know, running a pop up is 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 pretty intensive. It's pretty ad hoc. And what is Top Chef, if not ad hoc cooking? But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. You know, I mean, listen, it was a rough time. All three all three of the chopping block uh, contestants, including Chris, are on Team Kevin. So I, I knew I was taking a hit last night. And, and um, yeah, it's rough. When, that was uh, that was the second time you're in the bottom three, Chris, if I'm not mistaken, up until this point. Like when you're when you're up there. How are you out of your skin when you're in the bottom three there looking at the chef? It depends. At the judges? It depends on how long the deliberation is at the table. You know, I mean, of course, you don't want to be on the bottom, but there's just sometimes when it just goes on and on that you're just like, I can't believe I'm fucking here. You know, <laughs> that's all you're thinking in your head. Yeah, like, wow. Because then you're hearing it, you know, in depth and, and like all the meat of it is is coming at you, you know, and it's just it's 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 definitely not a good place to be. That's for sure. Um hey Chris, we really yeah. appreciate the time. Absolutely, brothers. It was you know, I, I followed this every week and uh and 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 I play it for my staff. And we get a kick out of it, you know. It's it's wait, 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 wait. Give you play it for your staff? Mm-hmm. We, so what, you're all in the kitchen. You put on the speakers and, and go. And we prep while listening to you guys. No way. That's... Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Now I feel like it, it, for some reason, Kevin, that makes me no, more nervous. Is that I know that there's like an actual audience of hey, chefs listening to this show. We're, dude, huge, in, we're huge in Brooklyn. I mean, that's, yeah. what else do you want in, a, in contemporary you life? Guys in the 21st are doing, century? You guys are doing great stuff, and we love it, and we appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I, I promised you a soapbox 30 seconds and you can go over. I'm not Padma here. Um, actually, before we get there, there was a there was a person on on Twitter who said something that was so fascinating to me. And it I got to bring it up here on the pod. Um, let's see. When Padma says. Hands up utensils down, isn't that backwards? Shouldn't it be utensils down, hands up? I guess so, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that makes sense. Unless you're going to hold the knife in your hand and just drop it onto the table. Right. Yeah, so really, um, the author of Really Into This blog, uh, she wrote, I, I believe, yeah, she wrote last night um, a recap, and she said, I'm going to start saying this every week. Padma, please, I beg of you, please say utensils down, hands up. The other way around makes no sense and has been driving me crazy for years. Just once I would like to see the chefs put their hands up first and then drop all of their knives. That is classic. That is funny. So it is a um, it is a real pleasure to to talk about this pot this this show on the podcast like we're like we're covering the NBA and I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. Um, and right now, Chris, you are you are a juggernaut on this show. You're third most on our points fantasy system right now. It's Carey at the top with 32, Joe Stash at 30, Chris you're at 27, Fatima 23, Bruce at 13. Um, and it goes down from there, but Kevin, it's a really close race right now. It was a big week for me. I had 62 total points for this entire, uh, season. And then Kevin, you have 86. So the gap is closing, Kevin, you're still ahead. You should be very, (laughs) you should be feeling very good about your, your team right now. Um, but Chris, Chris, you've been doing great on the show. Can't wait to watch the rest of the season. Thank you guys. And go Eagles. Thanks, Chris. All right. See you. Thanks, Chris. Wait, I didn't even give you your 30 seconds, Chris. Well, oh, wait, 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 wait. We forgot the yeah. 30 seconds. Oh, I thought oh, you yeah. had the 30. Oh, ah, my bad. <laughs> no, I got it here. I, it's still rolling on, on my yeah, end. Chris, if you want to take the wheel and, and give your message to the Philly, uh, Philly owner, go for yeah. it. Let's go. So, Jeffrey Lurie, you know, I'm a big Eagles fan. I've been an Eagles fan my whole life. You know, in my lifetime, I was there when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl against the Raiders. I was there when they played the Patriots. You know, and we're closer than ever before. And although I know that you're dedicated to Nick Foles, 
what are you going to do if he goes down? We have got to give him some insurance. We got to get some type of seasoned quarterback out there. Hopefully, like a guy like Kaepernick. I know you're not down with Kaepernick, but think of it on a business sense. This guy has Super Bowl experience. He's definitely going to work hard for you because he has something to prove. And just Kaepernick jerseys will go through the roof, you know, and it'll it'll set a tone to your players that you really give a fuck because you want to make sure that we win no matter what the costs. So please, Mr. Lurie, I, I, I beg you, give Nick Foles, give give the Eagles some insurance that can get us into the Super Bowl that, that we can win. And you want to see a certain someone's face when you hand over the, when he hands over the trophy. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see the the look on Roger Goodell's face when he has to pass over that Vince Lombardi trophy to Colin Kaepernick. You know. Oh man. Plus, well, hey. plus, 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 Carson Wentz isn't even back until like midseason, so we're going to need someone to kick off the season next year. Sign Kaepernick to a two-year deal and call it a day. Well, next time you're on the show, we're going to have to talk it give you the scouting report on Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons because those 76ers are really excited. I'm excited. All right, man. All right. Thanks so much and best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you, brothers. Thanks. All right. See you, man. Bye. This is Pack Your Knives. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.